listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. Also, you can discuss the day's readings over on Facebook at the group Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Today is day 58, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 6. And we'll finish chapter 6 today, reading paragraphs 498 to 504. In regard to the intensity or efficacy of the faith of the sovereign princess, it is certain that it exceeded that of the apostles, prophets, and saints taken together, and reached the highest degree possible in a creature. It not only exceeded the faith of all true believers, but she supplied the faith that was wanting in all those that have not believed, and she could, by her faith, enrich them all. Thus, her faith remained firm, immovable, and constant when the apostles in the hour of the passion fell away. And if all the temptations, deceits, errors, and falsehoods of the world were joined together, they could not prevail or disturb the invincible faith of the queen of believers. She, its foundress and instructress, would overcome them all and issue forth victorious and triumphant. 499. The intelligent love with which she explicitly believed all the divine truths cannot be expressed in words without misrepresenting its intensity. The Most Holy Mary knew all that she believed and believed all that she knew, for the infused theological knowledge of the credibility of faith's mysteries and the understanding of this credibility existed in the wisest Virgin Mother in the highest degree possible in a mere creature. Her knowledge was kept in a constant actuality. And by means of her memory, like that of an angel, she never forgot that which once she had learnt. This gift and faculty of the understanding she kept in constant operation in order to exercise her deep faith. Only at times, as already said, God suspended faith by her other acts of the mind. Except that she was not yet a comprehensor. Nothing was wanting in regard to her intelligence of the matters of faith and in regard to the clear knowledge of the divinity. In this regard, she held a position far above that of all the wayfarers, and she, by herself, constituted a class of such high degrees as cannot be attained by any other wayfarer to heaven. 500. And if the Most Holy Mary, while she exercised the acts of faith and hope, was, in what might be called, her most ordinary and therefore the lowest degree of activity, and if, in that state, she excelled all the angels and saints in merits by her faith and love, What must we say of the excellence of her acts, her merits, and her affections during the time in which she was exalted by the divine power to the blessed state of highest intuitive vision and clear knowledge of the divinity? If this is beyond the comprehension of the angelic mind, how can an earthly creature ever hope to find words to describe it? I therefore can only express the mere wish that all mortals might come to a knowledge of the precious value of faith by learning it from this heavenly original, in which faith attained its ultimate perfection and where it completely fulfilled the end for which it was created. Let the infidels, the heretics, the pagans, and idolaters approach this mistress of faith, most holy Mary, in order to be enlightened in their falsehoods and darksome errors and in order to find the sure way toward the last end of their being. Let also Catholics approach and learn to understand the copious rewards of this virtue, Let them ask the Lord with the apostles to increase their faith. Luke 7, 5. Not that they ever reach the faith of Most Holy Mary, but let them ask for the desire to imitate her and follow her 
For by her faith she teaches us, and by her merits she helps us to obtain this virtue. 501. St. Paul calls the patriarch Abraham, the father of all the faithful. Romans 6.11. Because he first received the promise hoping against hope. Romans 4.18. He wishes to extol the excellence of the patriarch's faith because he believed the promise of the Lord, that Sarah, his wife, would bear him a son, though she was sterile, and according to the laws of nature and incapable of conception. Moreover, in offering his son as a sacrifice at God's command, he relinquished at the same time the prospect of the countless offspring, which the Lord had promised to him. This all and many other sayings and promises of the Lord were made impossible of fulfillment according to the laws of nature. Yet Abraham believed that the divine power could execute them in a supernatural manner. Therefore he merited to be called the father of all the believers, and to receive the seal of his faith which justified him namely circumcision. But our super-eminent lady, Mary, possesses much greater rights and titles to be called the mother of faith and of all the faithful. In her hand is hoisted the standard and ensign of faith for all the believers in the law of grace. First, indeed, according to the order of time, was the patriarch, and consequently he was ordained to be the father and head of the Hebrew people. Great was his belief in the promises concerning Christ our Lord, and in the works of the Most High. Nevertheless, incomparably more admirable was the faith of Mary, in all these regards, and she excels him in dignity. Greater difficulty and incongruity was there that a virgin should conceive and bring forth, that an aged and sterile woman should bear fruit, and the patriarch Abraham was not so certain of the sacrifice of Isaac, as Mary was of the inevitable sacrifice of her Most Holy Son. She is the one who perfectly believed and hoped in all the mysteries, and she shows to the whole church how it must believe in the Most High and in the works of his redemption. Having thus understood the faith of Mary our Queen, we must admit her to be the mother of all the faithful and the prototype of the Catholic faith and of holy hope. And in order to conclude this chapter, I will add that Christ, our Redeemer and Teacher, as he was a Comprehensor, and as his most holy soul enjoyed the highest glory in the beatific vision, had no necessity or occasion for faith, nor could he in his own actions give us the example of this virtue. But what the Lord could not do in his own person, he did in the person of his most holy mother, constituting her as the foundress of the mother and the example of faith in his evangelical church. And thus on the day of universal accounting, this sovereign mistress and queen shall, in a special manner, assist her most holy son in the judgment of those who, in spite of such an example, have not believed during their stay on earth. Instruction of the Mother of God, Our Lady. 503. My daughter, the inestimable treasure of the virtue of divine faith is hidden to those mortals who have only carnal and earthly eyes, for they do not know how to appreciate and esteem a gift and blessing of such incomparable value. Consider, my dearest, what the world was without faith and what it would be today if my Son and Lord would not preserve faith. How many men, whom the world has celebrated as great, powerful, and wise, have precipitated themselves on account of the want of light of faith from the darkness of their unbelief into most abominable sins, and thence into the eternal darkness of hell? How many kingdoms and provinces, being blind themselves, follow these still more blind leaders until they together fall into the abyss of eternal pains, and they are followed by the bad Christians who, having received the grace and blessing of faith, live as if they had not had it in their hearts? 504. Do not forget, my dear friend, to be thankful for this precious jewel, 
which the Lord had given thee as a dower and a wedding gift of thy espousal with him, in order to draw thee to the bridal chamber of his most holy church, and afterwards to have intercourse with him in the eternal beatitude. Continually exercise this virtue of faith, for it places thee near to thy last end, after which thou strivest and brings thee near to the object of thy desires and thy love. Faith teaches the sure way of eternal salvation. Faith is the light that shines in the darkness of this mortal life and pilgrimage. It leads men securely to the possession of the fatherland, to which they are wayfaring. If they do not allow it to die out by infidelity and sinfulness, faith enlivens the other virtues and serves as a nourishment of the just man and a support in his labors. Faith confounds and fills with fear the infidels and the lax Christians in their negligence, for it convinces them in this world of their sin and threatens punishment in the life to come. Faith is powerful to do all things, for nothing is impossible to the believer. Faith makes all things attainable and possible. Faith illumines and ennobles the understanding of man, since it directs him in darkness of his natural ignorance, not to stray from the way, and it elevates him above himself, so that he sees and understands with infallible certainty what is far above his powers, and assures him of it no less than if he saw it clearly before him. He is thus freed from the gross and vile narrow-mindedness of those who will believe only what they can experience by their own limited natural powers, not considering that the soul, as long as it lives in the prison of this corruptible body, is very much circumscribed and limited in its sphere of action by the knowledge drawn from the coarse activity of the senses. Appreciate, therefore, my daughter, this priceless treasure of the Catholic faith, given thee by God. Watch over it and practice it in great esteem and reverence. This concludes our reading today for day 58. We have been reading from Book 2, Chapter 6, Paragraphs 498 to 504. We continue to hear this reflection about the faith of the Blessed Mother, and we hear today that... Thus her faith remained firm, immovable and constant, when the apostles in the hour of the passion fell away. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. And if all the temptations, deceits, errors, and falsehoods of the world were joined together, they could not prevail or disturb the invincible faith of the queen of believers. I think we can rightly ask the question, what disturbs my faith? What challenges my faith? It could be certain things of faith that we don't understand, that we're told we believe, like the bodily resurrection. We have faith that Christ rose from the dead. We have the testimony of all this, but maybe we struggle with it because we lack an understanding of how something that was dead can come to life and walk among people. But that's the power of God, isn't it? There's another thing that can take away our faith, and I think a lot of times we see it today in the modern church. And we see it because of scandal, because of things that people in the church have done. People say, I don't know why I would believe in this. And they begin to doubt their faith. Or maybe they keep their faith, but they say, I no longer want anything to do with the church. They believe in God. They believe in the second person of the Blessed Trinity and all these things. But they walk away because they struggle reconciling their faith with all of these different things that have happened. So what shakes your faith? Have you had your faith shaken? If you have, well, what brought you back? What helped you overcome those doubts that you might have had? Another thing when we talk about faith, we call it the theological virtue of faith. 
And we heard in our readings the last two days then, today and yesterday, that this is an infused virtue. So God has given us faith. God has given every person the infused theological virtue of faith. And so it's already within us, but we need to discover it. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be formed. But this is something that's already been given to us by God. He wants us to believe in him. It's a part of our spiritual DNA, you could say, this infused theological virtue of faith. Another thing we heard in our reading was that quote of the apostles. They prayed, increase our faith. That's something you can do. I often encourage people, ask God to increase your faith, especially if there's some sort of struggle that you have in terms of faith. And then we also heard, and on the day of universal accounting, the sovereign mistress and queen shall in a special manner assist her most holy son in the judgment of those who in spite of such an example have not believed during their stay on earth. And I couldn't help but when I read that phrase, that sentence, to think about Mary's apparitions. Well, why has she appeared in all of these places? She appeared, I think, not only to bring us back to God, but for us to know this story and for it to embolden our faith, for her apparition to strengthen our faith. I know many people go to these shrines of Mary's apparition and they experience a deepening of their faith, that they come to realize the power of God. And so Mary is going to stand there with her son when we're judged. And she's going to be our advocate. This is one of her roles. But she's going to be there. And then when we see Jesus and we see our mother Mary, well, maybe we'll say, I should have believed more. And finally, in the instruction of Our Lady to Maria today, she says about the possibility of faith. And, well, Mary can say this because she had an angelic visitor tell her nothing will be impossible for God. A virgin conceives a child. An aged woman conceives a son after years of barrenness. Nothing is impossible for God. And so that's something, too, that maybe in our life, we just repeat that in moments of difficulty. Nothing is impossible for you, God. And hopefully that'll strengthen your faith. That'll get you through whatever moment you are going through. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading from the Mystical City of God. I'm honored that you joined me today. I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.